How are we starting this week? <laughs> we're starting great is what we're starting. Yeah. This is Michael. Hey, it's Matt. Yeah. Thanks guys for uh, listening to us today. Seriously. We're pretty excited about uh, our topic today. I feel like it's a big one. Yeah. Uh, a little intimidating, honestly. Yeah. Because uh, I think um, Brett and Sam are both very, uh, I guess their thoughts and their intellectual abilities are very... Uh, we both really respect both of them. Definitely. And um, we don't want to do them injustice. I think there's that part too. So, Yeah, so today we're taking an episode from Brett Weinstein's podcast where he talks to Sam Harris about free will. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about their podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we'll really kind of pull things apart a little bit and talk about the things that we... Um, thought were interesting, but then also I'm kind of hoping we'll, as a, as the podcast gets further on is, uh, talk about maybe some of our views and our thoughts on mm -hmm. free will. Um, and probably pull in like Paul Vanderclay has a couple episodes on this topic. Yeah. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that. You mm -hmm. sent me those episodes, but I, in all honesty, have not watched them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, uh, um, it, it was just, it was just a good secondary having somebody else like look at it and talk about it. So yeah. that was, that was really fun to, to, to get to. So as far as, uh, you know, um, kind of where we want to go from here is, uh, just to kind of, as we've kind of collected all of our thoughts on, on this topic, but then, uh, we want to try to as, as much as possible, really capture their thoughts and ideas on this before we dive into it, okay. into the shores of ignorance. <laughs> and, um, so we thank you guys and come along for the journey. We're heading out to the, the shores, shores of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> that was cheese. That felt real weird. <laughs> Let's go with it. Yeah. It was like a fleeting memory. Whatever you, Whatever you grab, grab just turns just to turns dust. dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, a stranger around the corner. It's a dream that you to the Passing over the songs. I like how I looked at you. I think we both were like, oh shit. Are there we was some powerful that? eye contact there. <laughs> yeah. The shores of ignorance. <laughs> okay. Well, let's right. get into it. This, okay. is a, this is a big episode uh, this, that we're talking about. It's about three and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. um, so much content in there. I wrote down a bunch of thoughts. Um, how should we jump in? Well, maybe we could do it this way because I don't, uh, you know... As far as I want to really do Sam's position mm -hmm. and kind of the idea of steel man, okay. Sam's position, like really give it a, um, a real, as much as possible, an accurate view of how he sees things. Cause it's really hard for me because there's a few things that are, I really have problems with specifically. Um, but I really want to, cause I, I feel like that's what that podcast did so well was, um, I think Brett did a great job of pulling that more of Sam's ideas out in a let's, reasonable way. Let's start there because I think that you feel, you felt that way pretty strongly, which mm -hmm. I think is the impetus for us having this conversation on our podcast. Yeah. That's really what I heard you taking away from that was that you appreciated Brett's, um, sort of 
deft ability to pull something out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I agree, but I'd like to hear you articulate what you think about that. Okay. Let me, let me try to do this. Um, okay. So basically, Sam has a very deterministic outview or look on life, uh, which is there is no free will. So there's a lot of complications. I want to get into that later on mm-hmm. in how he describes that. But I think if you, as you watch that podcast or listen to that podcast, that's the main thing you have to kind of run with um, is that everything is a determined. So if you knew all the different mathematics and physics and biology that you would be able to predict all the way into the future. See, I listened to the podcast twice Mm -hmm. and I never could come to a place where I thought Sam actually believes in this position. I know that's, that's the problem. And I think that's where, so, so Brett and Sam both agree that a deterministic view on the world is, is very hard to, to disagree with. And I think that's where Brett started kind of pushing in, like, uh, uh, kind of going a little bit. He basically was saying that we're not as free as we think we are. And and the main point that Brett kept bringing up to Sam was that if everything is determined, then like our conversation doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. we're just acting out what we've already um what we already predetermined to do. So there's well, sort of the intellectual not even, honesty. Not even acting out. Mm-mm. No, yeah. It's we are we are being driven driven to do and say the things that we do and say via the effect of some previous cause that we had no control over, Mm -hmm. which is a mind numbing thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, Also a very dismal thing to think about. Yeah. And I kind of appreciated Brett's point of view on that, where he just sort of said, if, if the universe is determined, if everything that we are saying now to each other is predetermined, then there's no point to talking about this at all Mm -hmm. because it's just sort of a, it's just a movie reel spinning off into eternity. Yeah. And, and, and that was, but in fact, that's where like the, the problem kept coming back is then Sam wanted to talk about it in this sort of like, he uses words like, um, uh, uh, if you pay close enough attention to what it's like, what I pay attention to, so, so he's using all these, the, the language of free will which is really difficult to, to put your head around his position mm-hmm. because he keeps talking about feel like watching all these sort of like agencies, like into like a separate agency from the deterministic viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've listened to a few other of his, he, and he, he just kind of keeps kind of popping out of the, the deterministic viewpoint. And I could never really, I was trying to really understand like, okay, what is he, what is he seeing here? And the only thing I could really get is he sees a psychological component and somehow the psychological component is not tied to the determinism. So it's sort of like you can, you can observe yourself and the thoughts that come into your brain and out your mouth and you're observing them, but you have no control of what's actually coming out of your mouth. It's, but you it, can bear witness to it. You can bear witness to it. So what does that mean? Well, that's, that's, well, what's, I think before we get to that, because I think there's some things, 
I think the kind of suss out that observation mode is is really fascinating because he 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 uh, we'll put this in the show notes, but um, uh, there's a guy named um, uh, Benjamin Libet which did this experiment with EEGs or EGG EEGs on your brain and like you do an action, but where the, before you would make the decision to, to do the action, it would activate in the brain. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, there was a pause between the, 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 the thought, the, the decision and then the action. Mm-hmm. And so his, a lot of his argument flows from sort of this Benjamin Libet, um, uh, example. And again, not being, I, I was trying to understand exactly what what that actually means, and and he I think his it's funny because like then the narrative and the story of what that means is what he's kind of going off of as far as like we don't even know what we're going to think before we think it. Well, that was something. This was a that's an interesting place to maybe dive in because that was something that was in, is interesting that he Sam continued to say is that thoughts sort of arrive in your brain mm-hmm. from unknown places. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he said uh, at, they sort of arrive in your brain as a hummingbird through a window, yeah. um, which I think we all relate to mm-hmm. things sort of light up somewhat unexpectedly. Um, and he uses that as an argument for there's no free will. Mm-hmm. These things sort of happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a contradiction in the argument as well, because he also says that everything can be described by some previous cause mm-hmm. that you had no control over. Mm-hmm. And maybe those two things are congruent. Um, but I see sort of two sides to that because I see the, the, the thought that arrives in your brain as a hummingbird through a window. If I sit and think long enough, I can find an origin for it. Mm-hmm. I can at least find the context from which it came. Yeah. That's not an easy thing to do, though. Mm-hmm. And I think probably most of us uh, in our default state don't put a lot of thought to that. So it's like the mm-hmm. we all know the effect of sitting with somebody and arriving at some strange point of silence. And you might say to the other person, uh, you know, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. What, what's on your mind? And that person will probably sort of awaken like as if waking from a dream and be like, well, what was I thinking about? And if they are self-aware enough, can probably internally think of a hundred things they were just thinking about. Mm -hmm. And with enough effort can probably tie them all together and tell you some wacky, strange story about how they got to the thought that they were on uh, based upon some obscure reference that happened three seconds earlier. Yeah. Um, and Sam seems to describe that from two separate sides, and I can't tell if he brings them together or not. Um, but he says he seems to think that that is an argument against the existence of free will, mm-hmm. um, which I can't follow. Well, it's hard too because, like, because so, and I, I, just as a thought experiment, um, I was I was going through this trying to encapsulate his view of free will and determinism. And so I would, I would kind of just observe the thoughts that were coming. And this is also a meditation practice too. It's like you observe the thoughts that are coming out of your brain, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and you don't make a judgment on them. It's more of like, you're just like, Oh, look at that. I'm thinking about this. Well, Mm -hmm. what is that? Or how is that? But then all of a sudden you're like, the observers, the observing, the observing, you know, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have this like, um, but it, then my question was, is 
just by observing what you're thinking about, does that change? Does that change into the future by, by just the mere observation of, um, of what you were <laughs> well, pondering or whatever? Well, I think, uh, quantum physics would say yes. Mm-hmm. In my own experiences. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure to which direction to take this because I have some thoughts on, I'd love to talk about consciousness versus unconsciousness, Mm -hmm. the the conscious versus unconscious, because (coughs) Sam seems to put a lot of weight into that. Um, But I feel like we might be attacking this conversation on too many fronts at the same time. (laughs) Totally. What if we start from, what if we start from trying to define what it is that we think free will might be if it exists? Okay. I think it's really difficult. I kind of, I kind of like what Brett, where Brett was going, or how he stated it is: mm-hmm. we might not be as free as we think we are. Yeah, and that there probably is degrees of freedom. Mm-hmm. So some people may be more free than other people, and we're talking not just like physically free, you know, where you have, you know, in a slave situation or. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, more in a physical sense, but more in your, in your own thoughts and, and actions. Mm-hmm. And part of me wonders if there's that part, that's the more of the animal part of who we are, our instinctual aspects versus our reasoning capabilities and what sets us apart from animals and being able to be somewhat self-determined in some form or fashion. What does mm-hmm. that mean? That's, that's really. So I think I agree that we're probably not as free as we imagine that we are, mm-hmm. but I, I get a little bit hung up on the definitions because I think that Sam would say, if I can explain where a thought came from, then you were not free to think it. Mm-hmm. And th- so there's a time component where one mode of viewing says if I can look back and explain the origin, then the outcomes were not of any free will. Mm-hmm. So free will, as defined that way, has to exist in some sort of vacuum with no influence. Mm-hmm. And I would say I think free will is exactly and maybe only influence. That's what free will is. Mm-hmm. Um, all this talk about that. Well, so I'm getting some things mixed up because I, I think you and I both read Sam's book, free will, mm-hmm. uh, after listening to the Brett and Sam podcast. Um, but in that book, he talks a lot about consciousness. And so I was pondering what it is that is consciousness. And I think one of the best definitions that I've heard recently is that consciousness arose uh, out of a an awareness of vulnerability. Hmm. And that awareness of vulnerability sort of taught us two things. One, it taught us that we were vulnerable and that we needed to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. It also taught us that other people are vulnerable and we can take advantage of that. Hmm. And those two things combined allowed us or forced us to start thinking about the future 
and planning for the future. Mm -hmm. And the future is an infinite set of possibilities. And what we do is plan for our own longevity, plan for our own uh, protection. Mm -hmm. And part of that is, is the manipulation of, um, of the world Mm -hmm. in order to match what match the chaos that we see of the possible futures and choose one and attempt to mold the future as or bend the future as closely to that as possible. Mm -hmm. And that is, as I see it influence. Yeah. And that is the free will that I exercise. Mm -hmm. I can make a choice to do one of a many number of things. And I don't make that choice in a vacuum. I don't make it without previous influence. Mm-hmm. And so I think Sam would say, well, you're making the choices that you make because of some, as he says, push from behind. Mm-hmm. So because of my DNA and my genetics, because of the way that I was brought up, I think about things in a very certain way. And so I make the choices that I make because of all of that. Mm-hmm. I think that all of that informs the choices that I make, Mm -hmm. but I still get to decide whether I execute on those or not. In in that manner, I change, not change, but I reduce an infinite number of futures into, or I participate in reducing an infinite number of futures into one which comes to bear as I live second by second. Mm I think that's why it's so tricky in, in describing free will is, is you have this dichotomy of freedom and determinism that we see there's all these effects that affect our decision making. But we also have this component where we see the influence aspect that narrows, maybe narrows those possibilities mm-hmm. into the future. What places a value judgment on mm-hmm. the different possibilities as I, as I, sort of manifest the possibility of them into my, mm-hmm. into my, uh, planning of the future. And I think that's where I, th- I think I love that this podcast so much in that it shows that like it, you can't go to one extreme or the other, and so I, I think I love it because Sam is so hard pressed on this deterministic aspect, but you just keep filling that pool of choice and, and free will on, on, and, and, and how he was mm-hmm. talking and describing things. And so you, I feel like, cause I, I think I've heard more of like the free aspect a lot more as far, as far as, um, or maybe I'm more drawn to that part of having like, how free are you? And, and I think it's kind of nice to hear the other side of, uh, there's all these other forces and things that are having an impact on your future that mm-hmm. you have no control over. Yeah. And that is true. Well, that's one thing that I find difficult about the way Sam argues in general is he tends to push the positions to their extremes and then simplify and reduce such that they almost are left with no power. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lack of nuance and there's a lack of resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, he'll use an example like, uh, 
in in his book, he references a number of instances of people killing other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so in one case he says, well, this, you know, this guy killed this woman and, uh, it turned out that he had a large tumor in his prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And that sort of explains his behavior, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, but I don't really find that compelling in an argument about free will. Yeah. Because I think that that is an extreme, which does nothing to add to the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's am I being simplistic about that? No, but I, he, he kind of does this and I, I find he's doing this less and less, which is uh, after Peterson and Brett, uh, I think there's just a lot more public intellectuals aren't allowing him to use the, like, cause I mean, and then in the Peterson debate or conversation, with Sam? With Sam. It was... So, uh, yeah. No. Just, I just want to yeah. explain that. Mm-hmm. So, Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson began a debate talking about... I don't remember what they were trying to start talking about, but they ended up hung up on this idea of uh, essentially whether or not truth existed. Mm-hmm. And it's a really fascinating conversation, that, yeah. that episode. And they went and debated each other on that in public, mm-hmm. uh, in person, mm-hmm. like a four-series... Four-series. First two yeah. were Brett Weinstein... Did it with moderating, them, moderating mm-hmm. in Vancouver, and then the second was Douglas Murray, um, moderated in the UK. Uh, oh shoot, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, he always he kind of brings up these shocker examples, right? It, in that in that one it was it was masturbation, mm-hmm. and then the audience laughs, and you just lost the well, you lost Brett, the thread, you know? Yeah, Brett tried to bring that thread back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. But I, I find that the conversation between Brett and Sam even got a little slippery when he brought that back. Mm-hmm. It's like he, he didn't really want to be held down to something. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I found. That the, the general feeling I had from that podcast, uh, from the episode between Brett and Sam, was that um, Sam doesn't want to be held down by anything. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that, it also feels that he has such a adverse reaction to religion in general. And again, also in that in that Peterson, Sam mm-hmm. Douglas Murray brought this up to Sam was like, "You're afraid that someone's going to smuggle Jesus in on you." Yeah, <laughs> I just love that, which is so true. Like when he said that, I was like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." Like anything that has a religious aspect to it or a spiritual aspect to it sam just like he just he just he just sticks his feet down it won't continue the conversation at all yeah i i i felt him do that when he whenever brett used language like purpose oh yeah or meaning yeah there was a very adverse almost allergic reaction to those terms Mm -hmm. which i felt very i I, I found that really interesting. Um, and I think I found it interesting because there's sort of a culmination of thoughts that I think you and I have talked somewhat, somewhat about. I think some of it comes from the Ian McGilkis stuff that we've been reading. Um, but also this, I, I think I sort of arrived at this somewhat independently. But the, the idea that... Um, we almost don't see 
anything for what it is. Mm-hmm. We see things for what they mean to the extent that if something doesn't mean something to us, mm-hmm. we almost don't see it at all. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to try to approach that idea here because I find it so fundamental to the way that we interact with the world that I'm surprised that Sam pushes against it so hard mm-hmm. a- a- against the idea that meaning has any value. Yeah. Um, and I think it must be a defense of his position of atheism mm-hmm. because meaning is a, quick slippery slope into the ultimate other, Mm -hmm. which is commonly described through religion, Mm -hmm. which he has an adverse uh, effect, adverse reaction to. Yeah. I mean, he has, I mean, even because he does tend towards a, like a lot of Buddhist type stuff. Uh, but he'll even say it's more of the, the practical aspects of Buddhism, not Buddhism itself. So he, he always he always makes a distinction, but it's interesting that he does. Yeah, the meaning part that he he really did have a, an adverse reaction to, mm-hmm. but it, it comes back to to Brett's point is was that this doesn't mean anything. Our interaction has no point if it if it has this deterministic aspect to it. Yeah. To which Sam said, well, there need no be, there need not be any concept of meaning, Mm -hmm. which I thought, but there is. Yeah. And I guess it's easy enough to say, well, that's just an illusion. It doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. but it does exist. Yeah. Because I have felt it and described it, it mustn't it exist. Mm -hmm. There's also this thing, uh, the, the, the Paul Vanderclay uh, one that just came out tonight. I watched it right before we came over here. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Um, oh, shoot. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, um, so the, this guy, Carl, who was on, uh, he made this point that pretty much I was just like, oh, wow, I'd love to hear the response to this. I can almost, I'll, I'll, I'll put out what I think Sam's response to this will be after I say it, but uh, um so Sam believes that if you had all the right machines and all the right stuff, you could predict the future um, because everything is determined and it would flow as it would. Uh, and so the guy was like, well, this is really easy to, to defeat. His name's Carl. I don't know his last name. Um, he said, well, I would just say, what, is the, what did the machine say I was going to do next? Mm-hmm. And do the exact opposite. Right. Well, but this is that... The- <laughs> That presupposes that the machine is not an all-inclusive of reality because mm-hmm. you have to be outside of it to say, what does it say? Mm-hmm. Which, is a, which is a claim that doesn't seem to be disputed in the free will conversation, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe one of the most interesting ones. We'll say that again. I, maybe, I, I don't think I followed them. Well, uh, well, essentially the idea that you can be an observer. Mm-hmm. That I can say, what does the machine say that I'm going to do next? Which mm-hmm. means I have to be outside the machine. But in the in the idea in in within the concept of determinism, there is no outside. Yeah, uh-huh. everything is inside. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't say yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You couldn't make that claim. Well, that's 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 the that's how I would think Sam would would approach that. But he doesn't. Yeah, he constantly talks about being outside. Mm-hmm. 
he constantly talks about the psychological component. Yeah. Which is, which, which is the, I think is the consciousness component, Mm -hmm. the ability to abs to have an abstract understanding of time Mm -hmm. and say that there is a past and there's a future. And I can hold both of those things present in my mind as I evaluate something Mm -hmm. and I can evaluate something, including myself. Mm -hmm. I can look at my own desires. I can look at my own fears. I can look at my own shortcomings and weaknesses and I can put all those together and make a value judgment on all of those things and say, this is the way I'd like to be in the future. And I, based upon the, well, at least it's helpful in in this context to describe the past as as deterministic. Mm -hmm. Um, What has been determined through my past actions has dictated the way that I am now. And I either like or don't like that. And so I'm either going to continue or change and adjust Mm -hmm. the fact that, whether I do or don't, the fact that I can sit here at any one moment and make and, and have those thought processes, to me, well, I don't know how I don't know how you argue exactly that I have no free will when I'm able to do that. Well, I think that's the that's the problem with this. Oh, so I guess Sam just said. Everything is determined. It is that it is. There is no meaning in the story. Okay. I so think it would be so can easy. Can we talk about that for a second and just how depressing that is? Well, it doesn't matter. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know or be depressed by it. Exactly. If you were depressed by it, it doesn't matter. You were going to be depressed by it anyways. So but deal the, with it. But the fact that, <laughs> but this is my whole point about meaning. Uh-huh. The fact that the majority of the way that we make decisions is based upon the way that we feel and the way that we feel is made up of all of these things, which in a deterministic universe have no place. Mm -hmm. All of these things which exist within this self-awareness perch that allow Mm -hmm. me to be depressed. See, that's the thing is that it makes so much sense. If, if Sam would have said full on deterministic, like, I, but I don't think he ever, yeah, that he never but he did. never does. But that's, that's the thing is like, that's the argument is. And when Brett challenges them on that. Well, he seems, he seems to go along with Brett when he challenges them on it until Brett uses words like purpose, purpose and meaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would you define, let's just, let's reduce to meaning for now. Mm-hmm. How would you define meaning? What is meaning? What is the meaning of life? <laughs> no, no, not even the meaning of anything yet. Just like, what, is, what, is, what do we mean when we say, this means something? Golly, that's a really... Wow, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can really... Well, so, I can think of, you know, my relationship with Allison... You know, that's a very meaningful relationship. Like okay. we share experiences together. That there is a an interaction. That and a connection with with something other. That is real. That provides meaning. So. It's it may be harder. It may be easier for me to even think about the things that I thought 
did have meaning but don't have a meaning or even degrees of meaning mm-hmm. you know so you know uh, my my business means a lot to me but it's not the same meaning as uh, our purpose that my wife and my kids have for me uh, there's something about the people that work for me have more meaning than the business itself you know there's there's all these different degrees of but is there any business without the people? No. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to think of like, cause you know, some people are really like, like, I guess when I, when, you know, when I first uh, started a guy, uh, his name's Jim told me is like, you know, the biggest investments you'll make in your life are in your wife, your kids, um, and yourself. And, you know, it's like your business, you know, it may come and go, you know, you might, do well, you might not do well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I think there's, there's, I mean, either there's even a biological and maybe evolutionary aspect that is also explanation in that area. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. How, how would you, <laughs> maybe I, how would you go about that? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to pull some thoughts together here. I, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Sam says in the conclusion of his book, free will, you know, at the, at the end of this, I'm hungry. I think I might go get something to eat. But mm-hmm. whether or not I do, and sort of like runs this thought experiment about how he has no free will. And he says, you can tell yourself a story about the past mm-hmm. that may seem to mean something to you, but ultimately you were going to do what you were going to do. Yeah. And, and with that one sort of stroke, dismisses the idea that stories have creative power Hmm. and belittles a story to a simple description of the past. Yeah. And intuitively, I think we know that's not true. Yeah. Or most people would say there's a difference between a description and a story. Yeah. The difference is that a story holds meaning which is a different a, a difficult idea to articulate exactly but there i think we tried to talk about it on the last episode the idea that language and I'll, I'll swap story for language that stories encode things Mm-hmm. They contain more than the words that they consist of. Yeah. They contain morals. They contain lessons. They contain weight. They contain light, darkness, all of these ineffable sort of um, things. Stories have creative power. Huh. Okay. And yeah, I got you. So I would say, so earlier I said that we, we see things based upon what they mean and not what they are. So I think I had this thought experiment a while back. And I think you and I talked about it, but so I'll take something as potentially insignificant or mundane as this table that we're sitting around. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I describe this object as it is? It's arbitrary. It has no context. Mm-hmm. It is shapes and dimensions, but in my life and in your life, mm-hmm. 
it is a place for us to sit to do something. Yeah. And that could be to eat a meal. Mm-hmm. That could be to sit here and have this conversation. That could be to hold the things that are necessary or helpful or beneficial for those activities. But there is implicit in the word table a whole set of possibilities, a whole set of past experiences embedded and encoded in a glance at this object. So I glance at this object and my brain shorthand goes, that's a table. What's it for? I know what it's for, or at least I know what it's, it's possibly for. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, so I say, we, I think we see everything that way. Yeah. We see everything based upon what it means to us or what it means for us rather than what it is. Mm-hmm. To the extent that things that don't have that embedded in them for us, don't arise into our consciousness at all. Yeah. So I'm tempted to say, and I I haven't thought this completely through, but I, I think that I would say that meaning is the sense or intuition or understanding that there is a story going on. Hmm. that it has a past and it has a future and that it is being told currently and that I am participating in it. And that means something. Yeah. Like there is a fortifying effect of that experience when you experience it, Mm -hmm. when you, you feel fortified, you feel engaged, you feel a narrowing of your, um, a narrowing of your energy and your perspective or your um, sort of attentional gaze, as it may be. Yeah. That seems to be what we say, well, this that had meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's about the story that we see playing out as it happens. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Because <clears throat> even like if you think about the story that Sam is presenting to Brett, It just, it doesn't make sense. It's sort of like if you have a character in a story that's acting in a way that is contrary to how someone should act, mm-hmm. you're like, well, what's wrong with that character? Like, it's not, there's something off. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like, you know, so Sam's trying to tell this story, how it's determined, this, 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 all these things are determined, but the story's not convincing Everyone, everyone, at least it's to some degree, I would think, and even Sam himself is going, but psychology, observation, was it? If you pay close enough attention. Well, maybe that's, yeah. So the story starts to break down. You're like, whoa. And all of a sudden the the twist comes. It's like, wait a minute. Are we, are we in a deterministic world or what is this pay attention? What is this? I feel. Mm-hmm. What is this? We're watching this movie unfold or play out, or it's already. So it, it just it starts having these little these little jolts that that something's wrong with the story. And I think that's also Brett makes that same point. Is like okay, I can't argue against a deterministic world if it. If, but you can't have meaning. This means nothing. 
You know, and, and, well, and, and I think is a good reason to argue against a deterministic world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we do have meaning, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure that. Well, I think <coughs> Sam wants to argue against that, but I don't think that he could honestly do it. Well, he just wrote a book about lying, right? Yeah, which is hilarious. I, I mean, I don't think I don't think he is lying. I think he really does believe. That, that's the thing. I was trying to wrap my mind around how he was like really because he's. I think he's very honest. He might get stuck in the mud in some areas. But I do believe like he, if, if he saw something different, then he would change his mind on something. Because I've almost seen him kind of move in some areas that I, I thought he was a little bit too, you know, too strict on. Like even when they were talking about religion later on, he's, mm-hmm. I've never heard him say like, oh, well, there are good things about religion. But then he quickly brought up witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> and like sidelined the whole thing, you know, it's like, it's like parlor trick. Yeah, it really is. It's like, let's take like something that, you know, very few people like, you know, it's easier to bring in like, you know, Christianity or Judaism or Islam, which is represents a larger proportion of people to mm-hmm. argue a point like that, you know? Yeah. But, uh, he tries to find the most obscure points to, but, but going back to the story, I think there's a, there's that part that's this, I think this part that you brought up is really valuable. Because we have these facts, but facts don't do us any good if we don't provide a narrative for those facts. So the facts have to fit into some sort of narrative. So we try to develop these narratives based on these facts, you know, like, um, uh, you know, you said, hey, come over, come over tonight. We're going to film the podcast. So there's a fact, you know, mm-hmm. that fits into the story that we do this podcast, you know, so, and I come over and it's like, oh, we're doing, we're doing this very thing. Um, uh, and it matches up with that fact that you said, come over and this is happening right now. Um, but I think uh, that might've been a little bit of a stretch on my storytelling, but, but I think that does, that definitely has, you have to be able to the facts have to fit into some sort of narrative, whether it be like an evolutionary narrative. Um, we're trying to tell some story or something like that. I don't know that the facts have to fit into the, to a narrative. Yeah. That's well, I don't know that it's, that's the way to phrase it. I, I don't think it's that they have to, I think it's a, that they do. And there's, there's no, there's no way to, I don't think frame any fact outside of a narrative, because even mm-hmm. the idea of our concept of fact is embedded inside of a narrative. Yes. Like there is no way for us to say this fact exists alone outside of everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the part is I, I, that's, I think that's the part I'm arguing against is, is sort of like, there's this idea that there's all these facts out there. And they stand outside the narrative. And then if we just believe these facts, right. then we'll be... Well, but you use the word believe. I know. But, that, but again, it's like, it's like it has to fit into the narrative or a narrative of some sort. So, you know, that's... A, that's well, I, mean, I would say it doesn't have to fit into the narrative. I would say that the things that you could potentially set up as fact arrive out of the narrative. 
That's the problem. Is that the chicken or the egg type? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's uh-huh. the it's the way that we arrive at anything we call fact. So I think one point of view would say facts there, yeah. facts are arrived at via mm-hmm. what scientific method. Mm-hmm. It's the best fact determining method that we have. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What is the scientific method? You have a certain amount of information. Yeah. Create a hypothesis. Mm-hmm create a test, run it, confirm or deny that hypothesis to some degree of believability. Mm -hmm. If that degree of believability is high enough, publish, reproduce. Mm -hmm. If enough people reproduce it, then it's fact. Mm -hmm. None of that is airtight. Yeah. But, but I think too, is like, but when you make your hypothesis, it's usually based on some sort of observation that has to do with maybe two facts coming together in a new in a new way. Okay. And then you're making a hypothesis on on what the result of those those two facts are. Maybe maybe it's even two narratives. Yeah, I would say that your 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 hypothesis mm-hmm. is an is abstracted out of a narrative mm-hmm. and then tested. But I think even the testing and confirming or denying is another narrative in and of itself because it it is to do it has to do with you it has to do with your own fallibility mm-hmm. because how did you run the test was it good enough this is exactly why we have peer review is such an important part of science yeah. because we can't trust you mm-hmm. because you're fallible mm-hmm. you have your your own malicious intentions that you're not even <laughs> conscious of your own biases that you're not even conscious of yeah. right but then so does everybody else who's running it mm-hmm. and so we all agree that something is a fact that doesn't mean it's a fact it just means that we agree mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's a fact in that if we're trying to arrive at something as fact outside of Outside of the narrative, outside of uh, whatever story you want to tell about it, it is what it is, no matter what you have to say about it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that there is, I don't think that we can identify anything like that. Because I think everything exists within our understood narrative. Yeah. And I think actually that was Jordan's point in his conversation with uh, Sam. Mm Mm-hmm was that he was saying, you're trying to nest ethics within science, mm-hmm. and it is necessarily the other way around. Oh, science is always nested within ethics. Yeah. And I think that's the same as saying that facts arise out of narrative and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, it's a little bit difficult. I mean, so the fact of gravity, like you drop something and it falls to the ground like that. There's not really a narrative associated with that. Sure there is. (laughs) All right. Give it to me. (laughs) I want to hear it. Well, this is the theory of relativity. Okay. That there is no difference between what I experience as gravity sitting here on the earth Mm -hmm. and what I would experience in a vacuum accelerating at 
I don't know what the speed is, but the equivalent of, you know, I'm going to accelerate such that I feel a certain amount of gravitational force. Mm -hmm. There's no difference. So gravity as understood as what keeps me to the earth Mm -hmm. is no no different experientially than what I would experience accelerating a spacecraft in space. Mm -hmm. So... What is gravity? Oh God, yeah. I don't. I, I don't experience gravity as a thing outside of context. Yeah. It is. It is my own experience, which is embedded. In a, it's nested in uh-huh. in a observational viewpoint. Damn, that's good, dude. But the, I would say, but the fact of whether depending on your I mean, could you go here like where <clears throat> that same gravity still has an effect, mm-hmm. some sort of effect, depending on the, no, I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking of nested story now, uh, relative to your position, whether you're on the earth or in the spacecraft or on the moon, but there still is a thing called gravity. Mm-hmm. And so like, so it's not, and how I guess more the effects of gravity is nested within whatever framework that you're that you're in. Mm-hmm. So so the effects are different, but gravity's still a fact. I guess would that be? I think we experience it as something to be contended with. It's it is mm-hmm. a concept mm-hmm. which takes its shape and has its literal weight. Mm-hmm. depending on the context <laughs> yeah. that you're in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it is something to be contended with is something to be mm-hmm. felt and dealt with and understood, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that you can conceptualize it as, I, I guess something that exists outside of space and time. Mm-hmm. Well, you literally can't because <laughs> gravity <laughs> is dependent on time. Mm-hmm. It's all very strange. Yeah. But and I, I'm not, I, this is something I'd love to learn more about because I, I, I'm sure somebody listening is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm really getting this wrong, yeah. but <laughs> no, that's the truth. But the thing is, is like, we've, we've, we've never claimed we're experts. So <laughs> we're just two guys on the shores of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> just two dudes. Uh, well, I, I, I think this narrative aspect is such a, well, I don't know if we want to go here yet. As far as I know, one thing I do want to get into is how, like you, both of you and I have, believe that we have some some aspect of freedom, free will, and it's like what that means. And then we've kind of been talking about mm-hmm. how that is. There's this part that's nested in in meaning and how we create meaning. And not just, even that is, is, is interesting too, because it's not just us creating meaning, but also all the, all the stories that have come before us that have produced this meaning web or network that we are now in. Mm -hmm. It's like we have, as a nation, we have the declaration of independence, you know, the bill of rights, the constitution. And, and so we're nested in this story of, you know, of a semi-capitalistic country uh republic 
Uh, you know, and so, so we're, but, it, but within those stories, we're also creating new stories. Like, you know, your music, you know, there's just, you're creating new stories that are also within those, within a larger context, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then you can take that like, and just build all the way back to even, um, you know, Athens and Greece and Jerusalem and, um, uh, Judeo Christian, you know, a lot of the things that have come that have, that have influenced, where we are as a Western society in the United States. So it's like, we're, it's like stories nested within stories, within stories, you know? So there's a certain context there that we are. I mean, even all the different periods, like the, you know, the enlightenment that have, that have kind of led to a lot of the scientific revolution that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh shoot! What was where were we going with that? Oh yeah. So how much freedom, you know, do we have? I think that's something that I would really be interested in. And are some people more free than others? Um, what is that? What determines that freedom too? Yeah, I, I do think there is a concept put forward in in the podcast and and in Sam's book, Free Will, that free will at least as it's set up in order to tear down is Mm -hmm. that a person has the ability to choose what they want and make that happen. Mm -hmm. And that's clearly not true. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why Brett says we, we are surely not as free as we believe that we are or Mm -hmm. sort of experience that we, that we are. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm really consciously aware that the way that I think about things, well, the way that I think about things is the context in which I exercise my free will. Mm-hmm. And the way that I think about things <coughs> to a degree that I can't quantify comes from my family history hmm. in very strange ways. Yeah. So like we talked, uh, I think it was in, uh, the accessing the ancient episode with Allison. Mm -hmm. I was telling the story about how this photo was taken of my son and me and my dad Mm -hmm. sitting around a campfire and we're all sitting exactly the same way. Legs crossed the same way, hands folded (laughs) the same way, Uh head sort of cocked just so it's like, that's DNA. Like, my son was, I think at the time, seven or eight. He didn't, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a learned behavior, mm-hmm. but we all did it. I clearly exist within some, some fabric that was woven bef- without my say-so. Mm-hmm. And that does determine the way that I see things. Yeah. Or at least sets the stage for the way that I see things. And thank God, mm-hmm. because if I have the ability to see anything that I wanted in any way that I possibly could, that would just be absolutely too much. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to comprehend anything. Yeah. There needs to be a little bit of restriction. There needs to be restriction. And we mm-hmm. talked about that last time. Like it's like limiting, putting restrictions on things makes people more creative. Mm. And I think that it's the same concept that your DNA somehow dictates that you have a certain disposition towards mm-hmm trouble you have a certain disposition towards success mm-hmm. a certain even disposition towards freedom mm-hmm. 
and you enter the stage that way. Yeah. You don't get to choose otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get, I think, get to choose what you do on that stage. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I will never be Michael Jordan. You know, it's like I don't have the physical capabilities. Mm-hmm. Even if I trained, you know, every day for right. the rest of my life. So there, there's that sort of like restriction to, I don't, that's not available to me. Like I'm not free enough to be Michael Jordan or be the <laughs> best basketball player. You know? Well, that's an interesting way to frame it though. Like yeah. to say I'm not free enough to be Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and so, it, you're, you, know, you were making that case as sort of like you have these, these parts that are, um, that you're somewhat determined in or mm-hmm. restricted in. And so when you look at like, if I was completely free, mm-hmm. then, you know, if I worked hard enough, I could be the best basketball player on the planet. Well, okay. Or so define that way free to enact any outcome I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then no, I have no, I do not have free will. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, I think that's the things we're right now we're, we're kind of shaping is, 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 is seeing that there are limits to, well, there's a certain re- amount of restriction that we have for, um, hey, cheers, cheers. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there's a certain amount of restriction that we do have. And then we have to be creative within what those restrictions are. And also, well, I would say we don't have to be creative. The restrictions enable us to be yes, creative because I they give us enough definition with which to be creative. I mean, mm-hmm. without the restriction, there's no definition at all. There's no creation at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that really ties closely to the idea that everything is about narrative. Mm-hmm. Without some sort of narrative con- context, there's nothing to be done. Yeah. I, what's going through my head right now is, is, is you know, when you, when you hear stories that, you know, someone's come from a background that is just absolutely horrific. Okay, let's yeah. let's let's use one of those examples because I think Sam's uh, mm-hmm. fond of those. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it, Sam. <laughs> uh, so somebody's background that which is horrific. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, molested as a child, beat. <clears throat> you mm-hmm. know, it's like has had. You know, you know, maybe parents die. You know, it, there's. Oh shoot, I don't know. If I, I can't even go there. Really. Um, you know, it's, it's like that is a shitty, shitty place to be. And that's so, so many circumstances that are out of your control as an individual. Um, you know, so what do you what do you what do you do with that? <laughs> well, I would say you can either choose to tell the story about yourself that mm-hmm. you are the result of everything that's out of your control. Mm-hmm. Or you can. And so. Everything is bad. Mm hmm. Everything is oppressive. Mm-hmm. Or you can tell the story to yourself. I came, I came out of a past which was out of my control and really set me up badly. And I'm choosing to change that. Mm. I'm choosing to change my outcome. I'm going to use that for something which I value, I deem and judge as better. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
And I think there's really great examples of both of those things. Yeah. So we are not the determined sum or outcome of our past or the things that happened to us. Mm-hmm. Neither are we free from it. Mm-hmm. Like we are in some way, and what I was going to say enslaved by it, but I don't think it's that we're enslaved, enslaved by it. We are defined by it mm-hmm. in a way that sets the stage. Yeah. So, so there's like a, a the the three part story arc, which is in most stories that are three acts mm-hmm. long. It's like introduction of characters, introduction of conflict, resolution of conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think that at any given point in your life, you can say, the characters have been introduced, the conflict has been introduced. So what happens next? There are some movies that we watch that <coughs> they just end. Yeah. We get to know <clears throat> some people, some shit happens, and then the movie's over. Yeah. And we all want a refund. <laughs> it's like, that's um, not a satisfying story. Well, it's interesting, though, because there was a, there was a, there's a time where... I think there was so much resolution that the feel the conflict in it not being re- resolved actually was something we wanted. You know? Yeah, and I think there's something to be said about the evolution of storytelling in that. Mm-hmm. But then it got old hat. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, here's another one of those that doesn't resolve the, you know, it, it, right. if that makes sense. It's- well, but my point is like, you can look at your past and say, there are characters, there's conflict, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I am here now, and I am either going to resolve that conflict or I'm going to perpetuate the conflict. Mm-hmm. And this is the story that you get to choose to tell. Yeah. And which is the one. And you can easily and rightfully choose either one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your disposition towards that choice is going to depend a lot on the people before you. I mean, this is the, I think this is the moral that's encoded in the sins of the father are passed down through the generations. This is the, that's well, that idea. Well, you think about every time, almost, I would almost say every time that you see somebody overcoming something, you always hear this in their story. This person gave me a new narrative. You know, mm-hmm. it was a teacher, it was a professor, it was a, my uncle, my grandfather. It's like, they gave me a different narrative. And I think that's, that, that's, as you were saying those things that just, I was like, well, where does that come from? And every single person biography wise that I've read, it's, it's a, 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 that as far as big changes, it's like somebody gave them a new narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. There's something that what you believe about the world has such a huge impact on how you interact with it. Your narrative is so important. Yeah. Like if your narrative is that, I mean, if you take Sam's and I think he, he doesn't go all the way there, that, that sort of deterministic, you know, I have no choice. This is all played out. It's like, it's going to, it's going to cause you to interact with that. He says no, but it's uh, so frustrating because it's like he keeps, he says no, but then he acts differently. (laughs) I know that is frustrating. Well, what, what would it be like if we, 
if we played out or tried to play out, what would it be like if we accepted a deterministic world? Well, it would be really easy. I mean, because it's like we wouldn't have to really do anything. Well, but you, you wouldn't have to. Actually, you would have to. Yeah. That is the thing, is you would have to. Everything that you do, you do because you have to. Yeah, but there's no other option. But I think the thing is, you wouldn't know any better. Sorry, sorry. Yeah.